Welcome to the Librarian Influencers Podcast. Each week, our host, Dr. Laura Shinneman, dives deep into school library topics to help you build your skills and take charge of your own professional development. Her mission is to create an environment where librarians flourish and become lifelong learners. Now, on to today's podcast. I'd like to welcome Daryl Turin to the Librarian Influencers Podcast. Um, so, Daryl, I actually was introduced to you through um, email and then another Zoom meeting with someone a few months ago, um, and I was really excited to get to know you, and, and you're gonna, actually going to be our first international, I'll say international librarian, uh, because you're not trained from America, but go ahead and tell us a little bit about um, your background working with libraries, and then also what does it take to be a library librarian where you are? Well, thank you very much, Laura, and uh, it's a real pleasure to be the first international librarian on the uh, the podcast. Yes. Um, I I stump I actually stumbled into school librarianship from teaching religious studies and philosophy in two thousand and three. Okay. And, and the circumstances surrounding um, that served to illustrate many of the problems or challenges confronting school librarianship in the UK. All and right. also answers your second question. Okay. Uh, so firstly, there are very few school librarians who have entered the profession from teaching. Okay. Secondly, uh, I was employed as a school librarian without any formal qualification in librarianship. Wow. Or even experience of working in a library, let alone a school library. Okay. Thirdly, Having decided to pursue a postgraduate qualification in librarianship, it wasn't possible to specialize in school librarianship or even learn anything specifically about school libraries. Okay, very interesting. Yes. And then finally, uh, just to make it even, yeah, the, 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 the situation more complicated uh, is that professional practice was and continues to be overwhelmingly focused on reading for pleasure. Okay. Uh, which combined with all of the points above, uh, went some way towards explaining why the classroom did not lead inevitably and essentially to the library. Mm. Um, and that situation is partly down to school libraries not being a statutory requirement. Mm -hmm. And it's also partly down to a lack of clarity within the profession about what a school library is and is for. Okay. And that is something that I do return to a little bit later in the interview. Okay. So, Daryl, where are you currently working? What, what is your library setting? So, I'm, I'm in England at the moment. Okay. Uh, I, I'm originally from South Africa, but I, I, wasn't, I wasn't a librarian in South Africa. Okay. I was a teacher. I came across to England to teach. And I was actually going to do a part-time PhD in philosophy at a university and ended up being employed as a part-time school librarian. Okay. Uh, but having been employed as a school librarian, I, I found a calling. And the thing that really puzzled me from the outset was precisely why uh, even though a school had a library, there seemed to be very little meaningful connection between the classroom and the library. Right. And that really has shaped my, my journey as a librarian ever since. Okay. And what age level of students do you work with? 
So uh, I, I work in a, an independent school. Okay. So it's a secondary school. Okay. Um, that's grade six through to grade 12 for you. Uh, but we are a, a, a boarding school. So we are 50% boarding, 50% day. Uh, it's also a, a co-ed school. So that, that's also a 50-50 split. A 50-50 split there. Um, and then our school is quite interesting because we, we offer traditional A-levels, so British A-levels, uh, in, uh, in grade 11 and 12. But we also, since 2001, have offered the IB Diploma Program okay. for grades uh, 11 and 12. So we actually have a, a, a fairly large international um, community of students uh, who've come from overseas specifically to do the IB diploma program in grades 11 and 12. Okay. Now I have heard about IB before. That's common over here, um, the International Baccalaureate. But what, what is A-level? I'm not familiar with that term. So um, A-level is basically um, our school leaving certificate. Okay. And it's it's got a much narrower focus than the IB diploma. So we're, whereas the IB diploma has six, six subjects, mm -hmm. Um, around a core, uh, which includes um, theory of knowledge and the extended essay, um, A-levels are much more narrowly focused and, and students usually end up um, doing three uh, or maybe even two subjects. Okay. And those subjects tend to be uh, quite closely related. So you'll tend to find people will either specialize in languages, specialize in humanities or um, often specialize in science and maths. Okay. Okay. Well, you actually are facing a lot of situations. I would think that my listening audience, uh, which is primarily um, in the United States, would face as well. You know, their states may not mandate having a certified librarian. So they may have one in the school or not have one in the school. They might have a certified one in the school or not, you know, just have a, someone with just a high school diploma, you know, who's overseeing it. Um, and then also what you were saying about, um, just the disconnect between the classroom and the, the library. I think that's something that I'm, I'm learning more and more that libraries around the world, that's, that's that part that they're really trying to focus on, you know, building that connection and that collaboration because um, it's, it's just so vital to be that, you know, instructional partner, um, mm -hmm. what is going on. So definitely. And I, I actually just shared an article this last week on social media that was talking about some of the latest research uh, with Keith Curryland, Stephen Passion, um, and one other person, but again, you know, it was just talking about the the vital difference, you know, that a, having a school librarian on campus um, can actually make. So, universal issues for sure. <laughs> All right, so you've had an, an interesting pathway to to get into the library. Um, tell, is there anything that kind of stands out to you about your first year or two in the library? Well. I, I remember I remember when I started being uh, very confused about the purpose of a, of a school library yeah and uh, being puzzled why why that depended so so much on me as a librarian um, but also on the school that I happened to find myself in okay. uh, and, and and the situation from one school to the next mm -hmm. uh, seemed to differ um, so greatly. Um, but I was fortunate because I was job sharing hmm. uh, with a, a highly experienced and a, a, a very competent school librarian. Oh, okay. All right. Although, although we had very little overlap 
in terms of time because she worked in the morning and I worked in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, uh, rather bizarrely, uh, our, our working arrangement didn't actually officially include any time for overlap. So she left as I arrived. Right. Um, I used to arrive uh, half an hour early and she used to leave half an hour late mm -hmm. just so that we, um, we, we, we could collaborate. Right. That makes sense. Uh, but yeah, I was, I, was, I was very fortunate because many, many school librarians were and still are um, lone workers. Mm -hmm. So they have no um, colleagues, either um, a team of professionally qualified librarians or even uh, any paraprofessional library assistants. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that again, many librarians here face that, those same kind of issues. Um, and it's, it's just such a tragedy because so I think schools are just missing out and they don't, they don't understand you know, the big difference of having that uh, librarian free, you know, to be able to do some, you know, amazing work with the kids and with the staff, you know, what, what could happen with that. It's a shame. But. Yes, definitely. All right. So, Daryl, when you're looking back, is there any kind of advice that you um, would send to yourself, your younger professional self? Definitely. <laughs> uh, so, yes, from um, I'm looking backwards. I think the, uh, the, two, the two things that I would have said to myself right at the outset would have been I would pursue a professional qualification at an overseas university. Uh, and the reason, the reason for that is because there are universities overseas. Uh, so I, I have gotten to know the situation in, in, the, in the States, for example, in Canada and Australia um, increasingly well. And, you know, the, the, um, I think the value of being able to pursue a postgraduate qualification with a school library specialization um, would have made the world of difference, uh, I think, in terms of how I started out my career, um, but also how quickly I would have progressed within that to the benefit of the school and the students in the school. Yeah, that, that makes perfect sense. And, you know, even I'm just thinking about how schooling has changed in the even before pandemic, you know, there we had the option in so many places uh, of having online degrees now. So that would help people yes. overseas, um, you know, who yes. wanted to pursue that kind of a training. So, all right. So is there any other advice that you wish you would have, would have known? The, the, the second thing um, really would be, uh, I, I am professionally associated uh, in the UK. Um, but I would certainly encourage myself to expand that professional association beyond the UK. Okay. To include an international perspective. Okay. Um, and two of the organizations that I'm thinking of there or associations that I'm thinking of are uh, IFLA, which is the International Federation of Library Associations and Institutions. All right. And they have a, a school library section. Um, but I would also consider um, IASL, which is the International Association of School Librarianship. Okay. And I think both of those would have helped me to get a broader uh, perspective on my role. Right. It wouldn't have been so limited by the circumstances confronting school librarianship here. Yeah. And that, that makes so much sense. And that's something I recommend, um, even here on the state side, even within those, you know, might have their 
we call them school districts. I'm not sure what you would call them, but um, where we have like a city and all the associated schools with that. But you you know how your city or your district functions, you know, with the library role, even to be able to get out and visit a neighboring city um, or if you're traveling a neighboring state or something, it's just amazing uh, the differences that you can see and the ideas and things that, you know, you never thought of because you just know it the way, you know, that your own own particular school um, or district has has done that. So, yeah, but international perspective, that would that would be very, even just listening to you right now, it's like, oh, okay, this is an international problem we're dealing with. Yes. <laughs> not, not just advocacy is very important um, for all of us, for sure. Yes. Um, well, do you have any kind of a summer break? I'm, I don't know what your school schedule is like. Yeah, so, so there, there, there's obviously always uh, work to be done during the holiday, mm -hmm. um, but the holiday is actually an opportunity also uh, be, because of the instructional role, uh, it is important also to be able to, to, to step back and, and to take a, a, a proper break Right. Um, but this particular summer, I I end my role as head of uh, library and archives at Oakham School. So I've, I've been here since uh, 2008. Okay. So I, I'm leaving uh, in July and um, uh, um, my, my family, we're moving across to uh, Guernsey, which is um, a Channel Island. Okay, interesting. Off, off the coast of France. So I'm, I'm actually, I've been appointed head of inquiry-based learning at Blancheland College okay. uh, in Guernsey. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> um, so we're in the, in, in, we're busy wrapping things up at school, wrapping things up at home. So most of the uh, holiday is going to be taken up with emigrating. Right. <laughs> and familiarizing myself with a, uh, a new school and a new library as much as possible before term starts. So a very, very different uh, summer holiday this time around. This time, definitely, for sure. So with um, will you be the only librarian at this new place where you're going? Yes. So initially, uh, I will. So, so the, the, the school has an ancient foundation, um, but it was refounded in 2002. Okay. And the school has been growing steadily since then. Okay. So this is actually the first year that they have students graduating um, from grade 12. Okay. And they've just built, uh, they, they've literally just built a, a senior school library. Okay. And I will be heading up that library. Okay. And the school is committed to uh, growing the staffing for that library. What a challenge, but what an opportunity. How exciting. Yes, and also that um, that is actually a, a through school. So that's actually PK, PK to 12. Okay. Uh, yeah, as opposed to uh, 6 to 12. Yeah. So you'll have new challenges <laughs> with, the, yes. with the littlest ones. <laughs> yes, indeed. Definitely. All right. So when um, I know that the, that the UK was impacted, you know, by the pandemic, very similar, you know, to America and the rest of the world. But what has been your biggest takeaway um, through this pandemic with your, the role you've played as a librarian? So uh, I think the most obvious and therefore immediate response 
to the pandemic, it seems, was for school librarians to focus on the online provision of resources. Mm -hmm. um, and while that's important and necessary, I think it ended up, in many instances, reinforcing the outdated view that school libraries are primarily or even only about resource provision, mm -hmm. um, rather than the process of learning or building knowledge and understanding from the information in those resources. Right. Um, and that requires collaboration with classroom colleagues on uh, inquiry. So I think in, initially many librarians were very grateful for the opportunity to demonstrate their value through the provision of online resources. Mm -hmm. um, but I think they may be finding out that uh, as things begin to return to some kind of normal, um, that the benefits of that haven't lasted as long as they may have liked. Mm -hmm. I know. I'm, I'm hoping that there's a lot of things that we do take away and keep, you know, that we're able to continue yes. some of these good things. Um, so when you're thinking about the role you had on your campus, um, is there any in particular kind of, of influence or impact that, that you could tell us about that happened with you? Well, so, so there, 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 there are two aspects to that. Okay. Um, I think the first aspect is um, the, the process of learning from information had been um, my and our explicit focus uh, since the creation of FOSSIL, um, which, which stands for Framework of Skills for Inquiry Learning, All right. um, which I developed in 2011. And in fact, um, that is how I uh, came to know Barbara Stripling, okay. um, because FOSSIL is based on Barbara's model of the inquiry process as it's reflected in the Empire State Information Fluency. Okay, that's an amazing resource that she's created. So I'll have to check yours out now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it wouldn't. Um, so, so what I what I and we do wouldn't have been possible without her so generously sharing what she and her colleagues had done. Mm -hmm. um, but so so that 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 process of learning from information had been an explicit focus for us since two thousand and eleven. Okay. Um, so it didn't require very much for us to shift to a fully online service. Good, okay. Um, but having said that, the, pa the, the, the pandemic required us to rapidly develop um, the use of technology such as LibGuides, mm -hmm. uh, and obviously something like uh, um, Microsoft Teams, which happened uh, to be the platform that the school had been investing in. Okay. Um, and we needed to use those technologies to frame and support learning from information through inquiry and some aspects of what we were already doing benefited mm -hmm. um, from our increasingly sophisticated use of those um, technologies and we, we will continue uh, to use that once we return um, to a more normal situation. Yeah. yeah. Um, so an example of that is that uh, we learned very quickly to make effective use of uh, instructional videos mm -hmm, that could be accessed by students synchronously and asynchronously. Whereas before, what we tended to find was uh, um, instruction tended to be in person to groups of students, right. and that required everyone to be there at the same time. Right. Uh, so that is an example, I think, of... Uh, 
yeah, of something that we learned to do well as a consequence of the, the pandemic that has, has and will continue to transform aspects of our service. Right. I agree with you totally. Uh, I just actually just opened a package before I started talking to you. I don't know if you can see this, but yes. uh, it's called micro learning in the digital world. And I got to write a chapter in it. Um, and my chapter is uh, micro learning in K-12 settings. And it just is coming out right now. But anyway, it, it was started pre pandemic, but it, it, the part that I really pulled in there was a lot about video um, mm -hmm. because micro learning, you know, just teaching in these little chunks that we're able to go back to, you know, at a later time. And that's exactly. one thing I really hope will continue, you know, once we are back to whatever our, you know, face-to-face -face job is going to be like, um, because those kind of things are powerful to have and to be able to continue to do that. So video is a great example of a way that our, our influence um, hopefully supported what was going on and will continue to make a big difference, you know, as we're, we're moving forward. So. Let's talk a little bit more about Fossil and how that got started. Um, so, so, so the, 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 the journey to, to Fossil is, uh, yeah, is, is, is really, is really a, a, a journey of trial and error because basically when, when I started, because we offer the IB diploma program, mm -hmm. And the diploma program has the compulsory extended essay. So that the IB, um, they have a four thousand word essay. So I'm familiar yes. with that. Yeah. Yeah. So 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 that is an, an independently researched essay that need that needs to be presented formally. It's so it's a, a formal piece of academic writing. Right. But that requires students to cite and reference according to a recognized standard. And um, because our educational system uh, is very much geared towards examinations. It's very content heavy and exam focused. Um, there is no teaching of uh, the, the, the skills of citing and referencing, for example, which is, is technical on the one hand. Right. Um, you, know, you need to know what bits to put in where. Um, but um, in terms of being an academic skill, um, so learning how to work with other people's ideas, incorporate um, their ideas and their work into your own work, um, you know, that is something that um, students aren't taught to do or given opportunities to practice. Right. Uh, and I was uh, trying to, to, to work out um, in terms of, of, of developmentally appropriate steps Mm -hmm. um, at what point to begin introducing the concept of, um, you know, academic integrity uh, and the skills of citing and referencing, um, which is actually what led me uh, to the Empire State Information Fluency Continuum. Okay. And basically, uh, I worked from that framework of skills um, to develop or, or to adapt Barbara's model for uh, use here. Uh, in a way that that um, made sense for us approaching that from the skills rather than um, from a model of the inquiry process mm -hmm. down to an underlying framework of skills. So so we kind of met in the middle. Okay. Um, but the 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 thing um, the thing about IFLA that uh, I, so I only came across the IFLA school library guidelines and the manifesto in two thousand and nineteen um, when I was elected. Uh, to the Section Standing Committee for School Libraries. 
Okay. So the thing, the thing about um, the IFLA school library guidelines is that they draw on more than 50 years of international research into the conditions uh, that make for an effective school library. Okay. So uh, the chapter in the IFLA, um, the IFLA school library guidelines that, that were of, um, and that was of particular value uh, was chapter five, which is the um, chapter on the school library's pedagogical program and the five core instructional activities of the professional school librarian. Okay. So that was a real revelation for me, given that it hadn't been possible uh, to study at university for school librarianship. And um, the, 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 five, the five core instructional activities are literacy and reading promotion, uh, media and information literacy, which can be included in inquiry-based learning, okay. uh, then inquiry-based learning, which does include media and information literacy, um, technology integration and professional development for teachers. Okay. And then because the guidelines frame learning through inquiry-based learning and inquiry-based learning encompasses all five of those instructional activities, mm -hmm. um, what I, I then discovered was this model of the inquiry process and this underlying framework of inquiry skills mm -hmm. um, actually ended up being a really powerful tool for helping me to understand what I was doing as a school librarian or needed to be doing as a school librarian, mm -hmm. but also became a very powerful tool to build um, effective working relationships with classroom colleagues. Mm -hmm. I, I love listening to you describe that. Um, you know, in America, we're set up where we have like our national organization of school librarians, and then there are some state level organizations, and some of them have written some guidelines and I've seen a few of them and, and they kind of echo, you know, those same five strands that you were just mentioning. So again, I love that internationally um, school librarians are, can have a, a very strong focus and a good impact, you know, yes. on, on what's going on. And we, we really need to connect more with each other and <laughs> internationally, you know, and, and start getting ideas and just on improving our practice. So that's, that's really neat. I'm gonna have to check out that fossil website. Um, Sounds very interesting. Yeah, I, I, I will be very curious. Uh, I, I will be very curious to hear your feedback. Yeah. Okay. So, with our, you know, if in my the majority of my audience is Americans, you know, so, so school librarians or school or students, um, school librarians, what what would you think would be very practical or helpful for them um, if they get into looking at these guidelines? Uh, so. The, the, the thing that is interesting about the guidelines is that they, because they are drawn from uh, over five decades of international research, uh, what they do firstly uh, is to give a really, uh, so, so, so in terms of, of translating principles into practical terms, um, basically, they give you a very simple and accessible overview um, of all of the aspects that you need to take into account when 
um, thinking about a school library and what a school library does. Okay. That's and then very specifically, um, it identifies and explains to, to some level of detail um, what the core activities that you as a librarian need to be engaged in. Okay. And I think where that has been very helpful uh, is that it seems it doesn't matter what school library you're in and how well staffed that library is, there is always more to do than it is possible to do. Definitely. And I think having clarity about the big picture mm -hmm. and what it is that you need to keep in balance, um, just make sure then that you, you don't end up inadvertently uh, focusing on only one aspect or, or maybe um, a number of aspects of what ought to be a bigger picture. Mm -hmm. And as a consequence, limit your effectiveness. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Um, and there are many uh, librarians here in our, you know, in the states that have we we have what we're called, we call central office. You know, like when a school district has a leader, in some of them are lucky enough to have a library leader, like a library yeah. director in the central office to help support all of the, the librarians in that area and some don't. So this kind of a tool I think could be especially helpful for the people that that don't have any you know additional guidance or direction um, from someone. And as you talked about, you know, kind of offering the descriptions of, of each of those areas and what they can focus on. So great tool. And, and we and will also because because the guidelines are uh, draw on this, this international body of research, right. uh, they also make it very clear what the conditions are for an effective school library. And obviously, um, you know, the most important, the, 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 the guidelines uh, make it absolutely crystal clear um, that the most critical condition for the success of a school library is staff. Mm -hmm. uh, and that is um, a combination of professionally qualified uh, librarians with paraprofessional Right. Um, assistance, mm -hmm. um, and that that staffing needs to be appropriate um, to the size of the school right. and its particular needs. Mm -hmm. So in that sense, the guidelines also become a very powerful advocacy tool. Okay. All right. I, I can already think of some key people. I want to make sure they, they're very aware of this site because um, I, like I'm thinking in particular, Washington, D.C. right now, you know, it's having a big struggle on, on their staffing. Um, yeah. They need the certified librarians and, you know, why is this important? So I can think of a person there and several other places. I'm going to make sure that they, they get this information that you're sharing. So thank you so much for, for sharing that with us today. Always a pleasure. Yeah. Okay. So Daryl, what, what you mentioned, you know, your, your international group, but what other kind of things do you do yourself um, to keep learning and growing and um, in, in improving in your skills as a librarian? So, um, so, so, so I've, I've recently uh, been elected secretary of the uh, school library section uh, of IFLA. Okay. Uh, so that, that is quite a steep learning curve. Uh, and, but, but what it does do is it means I, I do need to engage mm -hmm. uh, on, a, on a deeper level with, uh, yeah, an, an international concern with, with um, school librarianship, uh, but that is that is also uh, kind of mirrored in the fossil group 
Okay. So I, I founded I founded the fossil group in, in 2019 because the number of people who were interested in fossil and um, using fossil in their schools uh, grew to the point where some way to try to support them more effectively became necessary. Right. Um, so that um, um, fossil group is, is, is a growing international community of, of educators who are interested in um, framing learning through inquiry. So that is not limited to fossil okay. um, because they, for example, uh, Barbara Stripling mm -hmm. uh, is, is a, a very active member of the fossil group. Uh, and actually we have colleagues from, from all over the world who've joined and um, some of them are using different models of the, the inquiry process. Um, but I'm, I'm very active in the discussion forum of the fossil group okay. and that stretches me in all sorts of directions. I bet. <laughs> uh, and then I'm, I'm, also, I'm, I'm also very, very grateful to Barbara uh, because we are stretching each other mm -hmm. in terms of our understanding of inquiry as a stance and a, and a process. Um, so I, I meet with her um, for a couple of hours every week. Oh, wow, that's amazing. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that 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 certainly keep keeps me busy. Mm -hmm. And then I I I read a lot, mm -hmm. uh, so I'm I'm trying very hard to understand what it is that we're doing from as many different perspectives as possible. Uh, so yes, I have a a never ending reading list. Yeah, that's good. In America, we call that our to be read. Um, yeah, yeah. Hashtag TBR, but. <laughs> Yes. All right. So, Daryl, um, for our listeners that want to know a little bit more, maybe about you or about the Fossil Group, how can they? Where will they find this online? So the 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 the, the, the website for for the Fossil Group um, is fossil.org.uk. Okay. Um, so if yeah yeah if, if you search for Fossil Group or fossil.org.uk, uh, all of the stuff on the Fossil Group website is free. Um, so, ba so basically, uh, we were very grateful to Barbara and colleagues from New York State mm -hmm. for making all of their work available under Creative Commons. Correct. Um, and basically, the Fossil Group really uh, continues in that spirit. So, it, so, so it it is to help other people who are on a similar journey. Mm -hmm. uh, so everything there is free. Um, it's possible to look at the discussions in the discussion forum without registering. Um, but if people do want to participate, it's free to register. And uh, because I'm very active uh, in the discussion forum, uh, if somebody were to post something there, uh, I, I, I would pick up on it almost immediately. Um, I also try to... Um, tweet regularly okay. uh, about developments relating to fossil. So um, that's at the fossil group. Okay. Uh, and crucially, that's fossil with one S and not two S's. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then uh, I would be very happy um, because I'm in the process of changing jobs. Right. Uh, what I didn't want to do was to give my old email address. Uh, but I would be very happy to email you my new email address 
as soon as that is confirmed. Okay. Uh, and I would be very happy for you to 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 share that email address, uh, and people would be more than happy. I'm um, more than welcome to contact me directly via email. Okay, that's great. So for the, the listening audience, uh, we have what's called show notes, which are like the highlights um, of our talk today. And I'll have like a link to the Fossil Group website. I'll have his, his Twitter handle there. And then and once we get the email, we'll go ahead and add that online as well so that people can reach out to you to, to, to connect with you. Yeah, that'd be great. Uh, love to talk to anybody who's interested. Okay. Well, Daryl, it's been such a pleasure meeting you today and hearing the great work that you're doing um, overseas. And we just really appreciate that the people are carrying the torch of school librarians all around the world. And that's, that's an awesome thing to, to hear about and to be a part of, to know we're part of such a big thing like that. You know, that's exciting, very exciting. Well, and also um, by way of thank you and encouragement from my side, uh, when, 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 I, when I joined Oakham School in 2008, uh, because we offered the IB Diploma Program, mm -hmm. uh, I attended IB Librarian Training. Okay. Uh, and because the IB is International Baccalaureate, mm -hmm. uh, it was really interesting because I had to go to Berlin oh, wow. uh, for my training. Okay. And there were, there, there were librarians from all around the world who were uh, also attending the training. But as it turns out, the trainer was a, an Englishman who was a, a librarian in Turkey. Okay. But the really interesting thing was he, he said to me, yeah, because I think I showed a, a level of interest in what lay behind what he was saying, mm -hmm. um, he encouraged me to, to train to become an IB workshop leader. Uh -huh. uh, but what he said to me was that if you if you want to know where we need to be going, then you you need to look to colleagues in the states. Wow, interesting. And um, that was actually what was the, the the breakthrough for me because it was immediately after that that I began to wrestle with. Um, a framework of skills okay. and my starting point was looking to colleagues over there and being inspired by the work of colleagues over there mm -hmm. and in in many 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 ways um, I am only doing what I'm doing now uh, because of colleagues like yourself uh, who have yeah done a lot of the groundwork for us so thank you yeah that's awesome well thank you for sharing that Really appreciate that. Well, it's been a pleasure meeting you today, and I look forward to. Uh, I'm going to join your fossil website this afternoon for sure, um, and, and start following you on Twitter. So, pleasure to, to meet you, and thanks for doing everything that you're doing. And good luck with Likewise. your job. Thank you, and you too. Okay, bye bye. Bye.